0: You are listening to a Nerd Room podcast production. We the nerd. Bunch of nerds. Hey everyone and welcome to the Nerd Room. We talk all things Star Marvel, DC, and beyond this episode number 317. We're discussing Stranger Things Season 4, Thor, Love, and Thunder, Ted Coast, hosts Superman, and the secrets of Dumbledore. I'm your host, Tim.
1: And I'm Carlos.
0: And Carlos, welcome back, my dude. After a very short podcast last week, a little bit of an experiment, we're going to continue with that odyssey into the Nerd Room and that experimentation around the format this week. And we're raking in a whole bunch of little news stories and we're gonna pick up some of those threads from last week and try to adapt that into a two-person podcast this week. And doing the rapid-fire nerd, but also allowing us to, pro- but also allowing us to provide some commentary with each other. So Carlos, are you ready for this? Are you ready to hop in the seat and punch it to eighty-eight?
1: Yeah, I absolutely am. I think it'll be a, a neat little experiment. And, like, please, to any listeners out there, hit us up on Twitter or via the website or emails or whatever and let us know if you think that this is the worst thing to ever happen in the <laughs> nerd room or if it's a refreshing change in your podcast feed. So, we don't know. We're, uh, you know, necessity is the mother of invention. So, that's what this was born out of. And we'll see where it goes.
0: Well put, man. I think that.
1: When I look back on last week's
0: episode, I had a lot of fun putting it together and we got some relatively good feedback on it about the pace of it and what we we're able to cover. And we just wanna to continue to experiment here. So like Carlos said, bear with us over the next couple of weeks as we try to feel our way through this changing podcast environment, the evolution of the medium and how we can always be improving. That's something that we're always looking at here in the Nerd Room is how can we change and adapt and we don't wanna become stale or circular. And this might be an avenue And like Carlos said, it might not be. So what we're going to do this week is we're going to take a very similar theme to last week in the pace of things when it comes to this week in Nerd, but we're going to add in, of course, Carlos, the second person to this, providing some rebuttals to those minute, minute and a half long little segments. And the other interesting thing about this is Carlos and I have each chosen about five stories. We have not told each other about those stories or what we're specifically talking about, and so the rebuttal or the conversation is going to be pretty raw for the other person and lots of uh, lots of change a little bit of a dynamic shift in here and i'm looking forward to it but i don't want to waste any more time carlos let's let's just jump straight into it with this week in nerd All right, guys, welcome to This Weekend Nerd, a rapid fire edition where we're gonna walk you through about 10 stories in roughly 20 minutes here with the rebuttals. And I'm gonna kick this one off. So here we go. Topic number one Stranger Things Season 4 trailer. Netflix debuted the trailer for the first part of Stranger Things Season 4. is dropping on may 27th alongside of obi-wan kenobi but there is going to be a part two dropping on july 1st this looks like it's set about six months after the events of season three and the trailer really focuses on this impending war that is brewing between humans and the upside down with most of the cast featured in this trailer including a living hopper who is revealed at the end of season three and a now powerless 11. This season looks like it's splitting up the cast, at least in this first part, into different groups as they go on another upside down adventure in this penultimate season of the show being dubbed the beginning of the end with season five being, of course, the end of the show. I'm very, very excited for this to hit Netflix. And although Obi-Wan will take priority, Stranger Things season four premiere will also be a May 27th day one watch for
1: me. Interesting. You know what? I had such a crazy day today. I had no idea that this trailer (laughs) dropped. But what's even weirder or a stranger thing, perhaps, is that I saw the letter that the Duffer brothers wrote saying that season four is actually going to be in two parts. So season four, part one and part two, that the episodes are actually going to be north of an hour apiece. And then that season five is going to be their climax of the show and that that's all they had planned for was doing five seasons and that they're happy to take it out with five seasons. So I appreciate that. Like I've said a few times on here that uh, I am very much for shows capping when the creators have told the story they want to tell as opposed to just running running these things so that the network has some content. So, yeah, very cool. And first thing I'm going to do when we get off is uh, go watch that trailer because it sounds <laughs> pretty cool. Pretty cool. So... The first thing that I have on my agenda is that uh, Tannehasse Coates has submitted his Superman script to Warner Brothers. So this thing has been gestating for, uh, it feels like a long time, knocking on a year maybe. I don't know. Time is a flat circle in these uh, pandemic days, but uh, that script is done with J.J. Abrams producing and it got me really excited to hear that because... There's two ways that they could take this. Like I think that the door is open and the popular assumption, really, based on Coates's previous writings and where he fits in the in the pantheon of writers, is that it'll be a, a black Superman project. Probably Calvin Ellis with Michael B. Jordan sticking his flag in the Val Zod uh, take of Superman for HBO Max. But I don't know why, but last night, I think that this guy is going to subvert expectations and it's going to be a Henry Cavill Superman project. Maybe not Henry Cavill, but it'll be a conventional Kal-El Superman project and he'll do something cool with it, something meaningful, something impactful. Maybe it'll be a team-up of Clark Kent and Calvin Ellis, which typically showcases Calvin Ellis as being the apex Superman because he makes Clark look like he's standing still. <laughs> but... uh yeah, I don't know. I, I was pretty excited about it, and I don't know why, but uh, I got that thought in my head, and I can't get it out. What do you think of this, Timbo?
0: Interesting take, because the only thing I know Tana quotes from is from com- the comic book world, and of course writing Black Panther, and he's taken a great shot at writing Captain America recently, Steve Rogers' version. So when you now pair that concept up of him writing a Kal-El Superman and what he, was able, what he could do with that. And then you parallel that to what he's done with Captain America in the past. Um, that could be very, very interesting storytelling. Because he is taking effectively a version, a Boy Scout version of a character already. And done something pretty special with him. And the thing he does really well in that book is surround Captain America with an awesome supporting cast. And so yeah. I'm seeing parallels there. And I really, really like that.
1: And honestly, that's the key to tell a unique and compelling superman story is how he interacts with the world around him so yeah man okay that that reinforces my theory and gets me even more excited so who knows maybe you heard it first on the nerd room rapid fire possibly (laughs)
0: okay as we keep moving through this my second topic is our first look at thor love and thunder and no guys This is not the Thor Love and Thunder trailer that everyone expected was dropping this week. Hey, it might be there by the time this podcast comes out, but this big first reveal comes in the form, and really the next best thing, of toy leaks. The first wave of the seven Marvel Legends coming along with that card back concept art leaked onto the internet revealing the first looks at King Valkyrie, the uh, Ravager Thor, the new Thor costume, Groot, Jane Foster's, dubbed Mighty Thor, a -A Build-A-Figure Korg, and the first look at Christian Bale's villain, Gore. Now, this is Gore, the God Butcher from the comic books. There's a slight change to the look of that villain, and it has been appropriately adapted into what looks to be the film universe. But to be honest with you, I'm digging all this. My favorite figure here is, of course, Ravager Thor. I'm really excited for the Guardians of the Galaxy to take center stage here and potentially have a nice piece in this film going forward so there it is thor 11 thunder guys you wanted it we got it the first look is here
1: and how ironic that the first look is in uh, marvel legends plastic form mm-hmm. man like i think it's appropriate for you to bring that to the table today and yeah it looked cool the figures looked great um it, it was uh cool to see that star lord and a few of the other guardians are joining them interesting to see valkyrie as queen valkyrie or king valkyrie yes Uh, as the leader of Asgard. So I I like that they're taking that direction with it. And, uh, you know, a lot have been made of gore's look, and I think it's perfectly on point. It uh, channels the comic book look of gore the god butcher, Mm -hmm. but at the same time it's tweaked enough so that you can let an actor of the renown and uh, caliber of Christian Bale to shine through, right? If you want to have that comic book accurate look, you might as well just do mocap on a <laughs> on a mocap actor and have Christian Biel come in and do the voice because um, there's no point really with the way that character looks in the books. But what they did here with kind of coming to a happy medium, I think it'll suit the actor well and quit the movie well as well. So. Yeah, I'm digging it, man. I can't wait. I don't think we need a trailer. I'm happy with these Marvel Legends. Just bring them on because I got a full wave to get here. (laughs) Yeah, exactly. Why not? Why not? And keeping on that God theme, Jeff Conway, a writer for Forbes, mentioned that uh, he was doing an interview with one Gal Gadot. And when they fired up their early morning Zoom call, she uh, adjusted the camera to reveal that Patty Jenkins was sitting there beside her which I'm going to suggest unless uh, our gal gal is going to be in the rogue squadron movie uh, that she's probably looking at working on Wonder Woman three or uh, getting some headway on that Cleopatra project. But either way, I'm pretty exciting. I, th- I think Cleopatra will be a neat throwback to the epics of the sixties and seventies. And if it's Wonder Woman 3, you're not going to hear any complaints from me. So it's exciting to hear them getting a jump on this thing. And uh, let's see what these ladies have to bring us.
0: Yeah. And with Patty Jenkins potentially freeing up some time, not doing this Rose Squadron movie, it seems fitting to head back to that Wonder Woman or even the Cleopatra, but working with Gal seems to be a real high point in her career. And they collaborate so well together. I think giving, the agency to Gal Gadot to push on this Wonder Woman franchise and also giving Patty Jenkins the free reign to tell the stories that she wants to tell. I think it's a it's a great power duo, and I'm here all day for more of them two together. And hey, if Patty Jenkins is doing the Rogue Squadron movie now and Gal's in it, I could see her in a galaxy far, far away. So bring it on.
1: <laughs> yeah, that'd be cool. That'd be cool. All
0: right, man, sticking with the DC Universe. I almost gave away my little news bit here, but what more can be said about the movie called The Batman? It's been out for about 40 days or so, and it's made about $359 million, $736 million globally. And guess what, Carlos? Guess what, everyone listening? It's coming to Craven HBO Max next Monday, April 18th. The Batman debuts on the streaming service, so those of us that are subscribed... We'll get to watch Batman. It's all its glory. And Carlos, he has, what, six, seven views behind him. I'm only at one, but I'm looking to catch up through my free or from my paid subscription, I should say, of the Batman. I'm digging this 45-day release window or whatever it has been, and I cannot believe the Batman is already here.
1: Man, a uh, spoiler for uh, our weekend nerd, but I was going to talk about uh, sauntering down to my local theater and catching it one last time uh, on the big screen, which I did on Saturday. And I thoroughly enjoyed it then. And uh, funny story is, got super hungry. But I didn't want to leave because I was like, there's no part that I don't like. And I just (laughs) sat there and stayed hungry, despite it being my seventh time watching it. So, yeah, you know what? This is bittersweet for me. Of course, I love the fact that I can enjoy this movie anytime I want uh, via my Crave subscription up here in Canada. But, uh, you know, it was such an event. And with it, I kind of savored it, right? Had my multiple viewings opening weekend and then almost a viewing a week kind of thing after that and really got to bask in all things, the Batman, but you know, it is cool. It just makes sense that, um, Warner brothers is using this as now it's more valuable to them on HBO max than it is in theaters. Theater space is already tight. Like it was hard to find showtimes for even stuff like Sonic that was brand new because there's so many movies out right now. So, uh, with Warner brothers themselves bringing out secrets of Dumbledore, it really makes sense. So sad that my, uh, little cheap getaway is being taken away from me, but at the same time, you know what? Uh, I am glad that you'll get to catch up and bask in the glory of the Batman once again, man. Yes. And, uh, Staying on the theme of theaters and Warner Brothers, uh, Warner Brothers is releasing the third installment of their Fantastic Beasts uh, series this week. And uh, The Secrets of Dumbledore is going to be hitting theaters with uh Mads Mickelson now playing the role of Grindelwald and starring Jude Law as Dumbledore. And uh, yeah, man, I was a big fan of the Harry Potter series. I had uh, a pretty special experience reading those books with my daughter and then watching the movies with them, uh, following them for the first time together kind of thing. I had never seen them. She had never seen them. And so it was pretty cool. And she became uh, quite the Wizarding World fan for a bit. But uh, man, this Fantastic Beasts franchise, it doesn't uh, light my shorts on fire. Newt's commander, Eddie Redmayne. He, uh, <laughs> not yeah, not the most compelling, uh, hero in the series. And man, Crimes of Grindelwald, it's a grind to get through. So I don't know that my hype's really there for Secrets of Dumbledore, but, uh, yeah, I, I don't know. Maybe I go see it because I can't go see the Batman in the theater anymore. <laughs> Maybe I wait for Crave with that 45 days. Oh,
0: yeah, that's very, very tempting. And for me, I've never gotten into these Fantastic Beasts films. It is something I I really enjoy the Harry Potter films. And this particular franchise has never been one that caught my eye. It seemed like quite a deviation from the original Harry Potter universe in the sense that it's set well before it, I believe. Mm -hmm. And Maybe I should give this a chance, but this feels like something that I'll get into down the road with the kids once we start reading the books, and once they start watching the movies, and it becomes kind of this more holistic watch of this entire franchise. I do you know, give it to Warner Brothers for wanting to continue out this franchise. It's one of the most popular franchises of all time, and I like that they continue these stories, and maybe it's good that they've been divergent and and changing things up, but like like you're saying i've heard that it is a bit of a grind to get through it does take a bit of time and it's hasn't been put together in this with the same set of i don't want to say care because there's always that effort put into by the creatives but it just doesn't have that that same draw that the harry potter universe does and so this one's gonna be a wait for me likely until my children are a bit older and we can experience this like i said as a more holistic approach to the wizarding world
1: well yeah and i can't uh say anything that would uh encourage you to go (laughs) rush out and see him this weekend so it is what it is it is what it is and you know what one thing that
0: we are all going to rush out and see the weekend of release is of course Jurassic World Dominion we're waiting just waiting for this film to come out June 10th it does debut but The big promo campaign has kicked off with a big article spread inside of Empire this week. And the thing that was teased out of there is probably the most intriguing was a quote from the director and the one that has been shepherding this franchise, Colin Trevorrow, when he compared the new big bad dinosaur to the Joker. His quote reads, I wanted something that felt like the Joker. It just wants to watch the world burn. So drawing very, very similar threads and ties to the Heath Ledger Joker and that some people just want to watch the world burn as our Alfred put that so eloquently in that and what makes gets me excited about this quote is that we have a giant dinosaur that has the only purpose of terrorizing humanity and our cast from the picture here in Empire is going to be directly interacting with this all of the cast that is the Jurassic End World so big things literally big things coming here in Jurassic World Dominion, and this draw this line to Joker only makes me happier. Yeah,
1: you know the first pictures of the Giganotosaurus, it has this kind of sinister, Jokery looking look to it. So, yeah, you know what? Wait till it get a load of me. I'm, yeah. I'm curious to see what Trevorrow does with this and how he differentiates it from the Indominus Rex, because that was a bit mm-hmm. of the Indominus thing, right? Where it's yeah trying to find itself and uh, establish itself as the top of its um, food chain. So it'll be interesting to see what he does. And Trevaro puts a lot of thought into the psychology of his dinosaurs and how they present and how they uh, stand apart and bring the audience something new. So for him to say that, that tells me that there's a bit of a plan there and, um, He didn't just say this flippantly. And uh, you know what? The Joker, what can you say? He's an icon. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) So I'm going to take us from uh, the Jurassic World Dominion and the jungles of Costa Rica, where I'm going to suggest that dinosaur is at, and take us into the depths of the ocean with HBO Max bringing us an Aqualad TV show. Uh, courtesy of one Charlie's theron which was super interesting to me so it's based on a young adult graphic novel called you were brought you brought me to the ocean and it talks about um Jackson Hyde and I guess the premise was is that he's living in the in the desert and he feels just drawn to the ocean and that's how he discovers his origin and what he's all about and there's a a love story that's woven through the center of this story i haven't read it myself i've read a bunch of other um jackson stuff and he's factored quite prominently into the last arc of superman which was cool but um yeah it'll it'll be neat i think Charlize theron coming into this it was rather unexpected she hasn't had any ties to anything else into the dc side of the house um as far as warner brothers goes like mad max is the last thing i remember her being mm-hmm. in for that studio but uh yeah. I'm excited about this. Like, uh, Jackson coming up on the radar is cool. There was rumors of him being in, um, Aquaman two. So, uh, you know, maybe we'll get a bit more of that connective tissue and maybe this is some of, um, what they're doing with the Batman in that you have the movie and then you see where you can spin it out into different shows. And, you know, Jackson's a pretty special character. He's got a very different set of skills than Aquaman and, um with the love story being woven into the middle of this thing he's uh he's a gay male so it'll be neat to see that come and be at the forefront of a big comic book franchise so yeah i say bring it the more time we can spend in this world the better well and that's totally it right and that this was hbo max correct yes
0: yes and like this again goes to the the commentary that we provide around these streaming services about what sort of platform they're providing our favorite franchises at the moment and that is the ability to tell these stories. And I like I I had don't know much about Aqualad and I also questioned the inclusion or the attachment of Charlize Theron because I was thinking was she in Aquaman like did I miss something? <laughs> I'm looking for a, a more inherent tie here but I think it's cool that that she is bringing her creative voice to the world of DC and bringing these characters to life and I'm here all day for more stories on these streaming service platforms because we may never get an Aqualad or we may have to wait until I'm seven you know what I mean so I'm I want them to explore and experiment the same way we're doing here in the nerd room with the these streaming service platforms this is where you can You can succeed and you can fail, and it doesn't really hurt the universe too much, right? We can just forget about these things. I'm not saying Aqualad is, but we're going to have those eventually in Star Wars, in Marvel, and in DC, where they just don't land. And so let's experiment. Let's pull new characters. Let's pull interesting and diverse and very, very dynamic stories to the the screen here, to the small screen, I should say.
1: Yeah, coolest part of this one for me was that the book seemed to be the biggest Mm -hmm. driver for her and for the project, so uh, that's always exciting when something inspires somebody to take it to the next level. Perfect. Love it. Love it. Well, from the depths of the
0: ocean to a galaxy far, far away, Celebration is right around the corner, kicking off May 26th, running through May 28th. And today, Lucasfilm announced one of their big panels for the first day for May 26th. We are are going to be getting the Star Wars live-action creator panel that is going to kick the conference into absolute hyperdrive with all of their creatives, likely including Filoni and Favreau, and hopefully some of the creators coming out that have really provided us some of that content inside of the universe. But also they're going to be talking things like Obi-Wan and Andor and the Mandalorian. So this might be, guys, where we get our first look At Andor. There's a big anticipation here buzzing around the Star Wars universe that this is where we're going to see the first trailer or potentially one of the behind the scenes looks at this next Disney Plus series that's coming at us with Andor. And look, these panels are the panels where we usually get the most juicy reveals from these different conferences, whether it is SDCC or Star Wars Celebration. So look to this panel for where Lucasfilm is going to set us up, hopefully. For the next couple of years, including what that film in December of 2024, I think maybe now 2023 is actually going to be our first big screen foray back for Star Wars post the sequel trilogy.
1: Yeah, this is exciting. It'll be interesting to see what these guys bring. I think there'll be a bit of one upsmanship, so a bit of healthy competition. So mm-hmm. that'll be cool. And to see all these folks under Kathleen Kennedy's guidance. Um bringing all these different pieces of the Star Wars universe to us. I, I think they know they have to bring something pretty show-stopping for Andor to get people excited. Sorry, Rick, but, uh, you know, I sleep <laughs> right now. I sleep. So, yeah, you know what? I, I'm all for being sold on Andor, and, um, you know, these are some pretty shrewd people, and I think they know where uh, opinions lie on that one and just how high the bar is set by the Mandalorian. So, yeah, man, I I say bring it. I'm excited to see what this uh, this panel will yield as far as reveals and, uh, yeah, speculation. Fingers
0: crossed we get to see some of it too.
1: <laughs> yeah, we won't be able to do a quick hit show after that, I don't think. No. But, yeah, sticking with the streaming services, uh, Bloomberg actually had an article that crossed my eyes, and it talked about kind of the post-AT&T uh, pre-discovery um, State of the Union of HBO and HBO Max, and it was a pretty insightful read. So if you can get your hands on it, it just came out uh, a couple days ago, um, April 10th, written by a fellow named Lucas Shaw. But it actually talked about how they overcame some of the challenges with, you know, getting people to transition from HBO and HBO go to HBO max and just how clumsily they handled that. And then uh, the bold decision to do the theatrical day and date uh, bit, but just how much success that they ended up having after a bit of a rocky start and they fought through it and, ended up positioning themselves really well. And, you know, we never hear about Apple having difficulties or Paramount Plus or any of their other competitors, Amazon Prime. However, as it stands today, HBO Max is like a solid number three with some margin between number four and themselves uh, behind only Disney Plus and Netflix. So it it was pretty impressive and it was pretty interesting to see. And uh, part of why I wanted to bring this up is that uh, they shared some interesting numbers. So as far as shows owned by Warner Brothers Discovery and the demand for those shows based on something that's called demand shares from audience analytics, Warner Brothers Discovery now is second only to the Walt Disney Company for all their offerings in that media space for what the demand for their series and programming is. So Disney's number one at 19.8, so 20% of the market share and WB Discovery is right behind them at 18 and Netflix is all the way down there at 8.2% cuz you know they they were late to the party with getting their own stuff um, started under their own banner. And then as far as demand for the Streaming catalogs over everything owned by these companies. HBO Max is actually number three behind uh, Hulu, is number one, Netflix is number two, and HBO Max Discovery is number three. So it goes to show that our perception is a bit skewed as to Mm. what we attribute people wanting. And, you know, there's a lot of speaking for the general audience in this space, but Disney is actually one of the lower ones, they only have 5.5% of the demand for their streaming video catalog, right? In Canada, it's a bit different for us because we get the benefit of Hulu falling under that same umbrella, uh, being number one. But um, it just goes to show that we in the fan space, we're kind of like the goldfish in the fishbowl with swimming around the castle, and that's the biggest thing in the world. But the guy who's standing outside of the fish tank knows that that castle is actually pretty small and there's a whole bunch of other things happening in the aquarium. So yeah, it just, uh, just something interesting. I suggest anybody who wants to speak about things in that streaming space, look up the article.
0: Yeah, it's a cool article. You had passed that on to, to me and, I really have loved following the progression of WB and the Discovery merger, along with the launch of HBO Max and the growth of that platform. And I think it's like you said, it's easy for us to say, "Oh, HBO Max is the pales in comparison to Disney Plus," right? Because there's a lot of our eyeballs on Disney specifically because of the MCU and the Star Wars shows. Mm-hmm. But there is a whole other world out there that is consuming adult-oriented shows, like your Euphoria's, right? And so this goes to show that HBO Max has nicely positioned themselves as a healthy alternative to the Netflixes, to the Disney Pluses, and got themselves on a level that is relatively comparable in a very short amount of time. And this goes to a lot of their creator-driven stuff and taking risks on different storytelling avenues and different creators. And so I give a huge applause to what they're doing over there. And it really is us that wins in all this, right? We get such a diverse set of content from all of these streamers. And now to have HBO max running shoulder to shoulder, I don't care which one's first. I just want them producing good content that I can consume on a near weekly basis.
1: Yeah, man. And it's cheap entertainment, right? Yeah, you you can have a subscription to one of these things for less than the price of two or three comic books. Like it's, yeah. We're spoiled. We're spoiled, which makes it uh, all the sadder when we complain about stuff. You know what? That's it for me. But I wanted to add, as I was uh, doing our news bits, uh, it looks like Patty Jenkins stepped back from directing Cleopatra back in December. So that means when they were doing that interview, there's only one other project. If it's not Gal and Rogue Squadron, that they were working it's, on that day. so It's Wonder Woman 3, guys. I like that. Look at that. Rapid fire
0: nerd. And we're self-correcting as we go.
1: i know man that's uh that's impressive don't say that we don't go the extra mile for you there dear listeners it's all free. that's it
0: that's it for me as well that is 10 stories in about 25 minutes or so so there's the experiment guys like carlos said at the top let's hear we what, what you guys have to think about this approach the shortened approach the back and forth the quick dialogue and also the transition across many different stories in the world of nerd and we'd like to continue to expand this with your input as well as we change and evolve the the nerd room here to adapt to the times, just the same as HBO Max and Disney Plus and all these companies are going about things in a different way. The nerd room is is evolving with them, and so we're gonna wrap this week in nerd up with this segment, this new rapid fire thing, and maybe we'll continue this over the next couple of weeks, and maybe we won't. Who knows? We'll see where we're at next week. But guys, we do want to take a moment here and spend some time over with the plastic, with what we're reading, what we're watching, because we have to head over to our favorite segment of the week, and that is our week in nerd. And welcome back, everyone, to our week in nerd. This is our weekly segment where we like to discuss what we are reading, what we're watching, but mostly what we're picking up in the toy space, all that plastic anxiety that is filling us up here. And how we've relieved it over this past week. So, Carlos, man, I've had a, a chaotic last few weeks of my life. And I haven't had much chance to actually go on the hunt, but I have been severely, and I'd say severe in a relative sense, decreasing the amount of stuff I have in my nerd room. I've been selling a lot of stuff. I got rid of all those retro release, release Ghostbusters figures i got rid of some legos i sold some legos off some rogue one legos i deep cut into some more star wars figures and so it's been really about the purge for me lately but then foolishly i turned around and bought the lego delorean this week (laughs) amazing (laughs) because i looked at it at the lego store and i said to my wife i need to have this and she says I think you need to have this. So after a nice high five in the Lego store, we went and picked up that nice DeLorean. It's gonna be a minute before I can actually build it. But that's really it for me, man. There's there's lots of changes happening in my nerd room, like I alluded to last week, and I'll talk about that maybe in a couple weeks, once things calm down a little bit, about how that space has changed. But like I said last week too. The collecting doesn't stop, even though the nerd room is changing just a little bit here. So that's all for me. It was a very very light week, and literally shedding things off, but also still bringing them just a little bit in.
1: <laughs> well, that's cool, man. And that DeLorean is such an impressive piece. So that's it's uh... huge.
0: Actually, it's way bigger than than I it, it was in my mind. I saw this as a small like laptop size thing. It's like to scale probably with like the Ecto one and the Batmobile and all that.
1: Yeah, no, that's that's impressive, and and even the little trailer that Lego put together for that yeah. thing is super cool. So yeah, if you haven't seen that, go check that out. They did a great job of it. But yeah, man, congrats. That's a that's a sweet piece, and you know what? That's what it's all about. Moving out some things that you don't love, like the Lego Rogue One uh, mm. pieces, and bringing in something super sweet and show stopping like the DeLorean. So yeah, the best
0: part about that Lego sale too was it went to a dude that was super happy to have him. A younger guy shows up at my door and he says well what are you getting rid of all your lego and i said no no, i'm just like getting rid of different parts of the franchise i'm sticking to the ot i'm trying to get rid of a few things a bit of clutter and he says oh man he says i've been hunting down all the rogue one sets he said i sold most of my other lego just kept the star wars and i've needed these rogue one sets and he was just so happy to get the minifigs specifically and get these they're build sets right they're not in box He's just so happy. So I thought to myself, you know, as I'm bringing up the stairs, I'm thinking, am I going to regret this someday? And then as soon as this guy showed up and like, we had a good chat about Lego and that. And I was like, no, not don't regret this at all.
1: That's very cool. So what were the Lego sets then?
0: It was Krennic shuttle. I sold Uh, the black shuttle. It was always kind of boxy looking thing and the tie striker. So it was the really aerodynamic looking tie fighter had the wings that were very long and pointed forward. Um, you, they're on the poster, and I you see them a little bit in the movie. They had some good, cool minifigs like your K2SO and a Krennic and some Death Troopers, but I was willing to sacrifice those. Uh, I talked to our buddy Carlos uh, of Tumbling Saber, and I got him to give me some insight into what I should sell them for. Do I need to give the minifigs? And he said, yeah, you, you got to give the minifigs or no one's going to buy them.
1: <laughs> mm. No, well, that's cool, man. And I'm glad they – it's always nice when stuff goes to a good home like that. Mm-hmm. I know I, I sold some stuff on eBay and I had, like the guys sending me pictures of his collection and the items in the collection was, that's what made the sale worth it type of thing. And yeah. you knew that something that you loved once was, was still being loved by someone else. Ah, for me, it was, uh, you know, it, it was about that last view of the Batman that I touched on. Uh, and then In that HBO Max space that we uh, talked about, I finally got around to watching DMZ from Mm. Ava DuVernay and starring Rosario Dawson. And yeah, you know, there hadn't been a ton of buzz about it. There was a few uh, assessments from a couple of mutuals that wasn't super hot, but I was like, ah, you know what, I'll try it out. And I was blown away. I absolutely fell in love with this show. Like it is vastly different than the comic book. So if you're going in thinking that you're going to get the books, it is not that. But, um, you know, it's one of those things where they took a concept in this case, a demilitarized zone between what was, um, there was a second American civil war. And so now there's the United States of America and the free states of America and Manhattan is a demilitarized zone, um, that uh, is populated by the people that were left behind kind of thing but the story is really just focused on one lady in her quest to find her son again after they're separated during an an evacuation and just the humanity of the storytelling like Ava DuVernay you could see her guiding hand through the whole thing and it was really about uh, the different communities that stayed behind and uh, how they carved out little pieces for themselves and I loved it, and it was one of those shows. Like, I'm not a binge guy, but I ended up crushing it, and it's only four episodes long over the course of a weekend, which is usually not something that I can uh, devote time to, but every time I found myself with an hour to spare, I dove into this thing, and I thought it was interesting. It's a bunch of characters and a bunch of types of stories that you never see, and uh, yeah, I I loved it. So I definitely recommend checking it out uh, if that sounds like something to be up your alley and it's a pretty low commitment and i i really 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 hope that we see something else um in this space and dmz is something that obviously you know you you told a completely different story than the one in the comic book so just pick a different set of people and honestly if i have a complaint about this show it, that it's too short it it was oh is it ep- already done
0: like is it a limited series
1: yeah four episode limited series oh wow yeah I if they it was like an ongoing <laughs> no like it, if i have a complaint i would have liked it to have been six and added one more episode somewhere in there just kind of fleshing out the dynamic and the uh state of the union so to speak for what the world um looks like now uh outside of the dmz and i think if you had just a, a sixth episode it would also give it a bit more room to breathe um they kind of had to construct it so that she has a bunch of pre-existing connections to a few, to a lot of the characters in okay. the DMZ. But you very quickly kind of discover that that was just the result of the the four episode format type of thing. So hmm. they had that four hours to tell the story. So it, it was a good way to shortcut um, uh, Alma Rosario's character interacting with all these people, right? So it was easier to go through that than discovery and all that type of deal. Interesting.
0: Cause I remember this was first shown at which fandom one or two, the one in August, one in August that just passed. Yeah. And I remember ta- I was talking about the trailer, like the concept is really intriguing sounding and that's four episodes that comes with a high recommend from you. It's going to have to be something that goes on the, uh, the wife and I watch, I think.
1: Yeah, it's and- cool. And you know what, with her being a mother, like, that's the type of story that it is. Like, if you're looking for comic booky action type of stuff, it's not there. But if you want a story about um, the perseverance of a lady who, you know, is trying to do right by her family, like, that's. You couldn't ask them to do a better job with that. So. It's funny you say that, too, because she she's
0: into Marvel stuff and all that, but it, she hasn't, like, watched Eternals or Shang-Chi. She's not watching Moon Knight and didn't watch uh, whatever came before the Hawkeye. But the one that she's been really at me to, to pick up again, have you seen Raising Dion? It was Michael B. Jordan. Uh, I th- He was in it, and I can't remember. I think he's part of the creative team. It's on Netflix, I think, and it's about a young kid and kind of this superhero kind of piece to it, and like there's a mother trying to raise a superhero kid. It's really good.
1: Okay, cool. Yeah, I remember hearing about it, but then, you know, there's so many things that you hear about it, and then it's – Two years before it comes out so you you wait for that advertising cycle to yeah. kick in but yeah I, I had no idea that it was out
0: well there's see, there's two seasons now the season two just dropped with i would say the last couple months okay and like we we're always flicking through and just like oh we're gonna and i have to be kind of in the right mindset it's like i want to focus on because we're going to get right through this thing but a friend of mine recommended it and he said Do you like superhero stuff and he's like i really dug this because of some of the content and the characters and both him and I are big Michael B fans and he, I'm almost certain he's part of the creative team in and behind it too, as he's kind of walked that path a bit more and he's doing Creed three now too, Michael B. So um, he's a bit of a force and they definitely delivered at least for both of us for raising Dion for season one. So season two is up there too. So that kind of puts a couple of these shows out there for you guys to, to plug into if you're looking for a little bit of extra content on top of your moon nights before Stranger Things and Star Wars comes
1: out. Oh, very cool! Yeah, no, I uh, I just finished Mine Hunter, so I need uh, I need a change of gears from depraved serial killers that exist in the real world. So raising Dion sounds like <laughs> just the tonic. Yeah,
0: yeah. There's there's definitely some twists and turns in it, but uh,
1: yeah, it's not a serial killer <laughs> face thing. Uh, yeah, and then the the only thing I picked up this week was I bought the much vaunted Elden Ring. So um, it's kind of the big, hot new game. Like the reviews were through the roof. And, you know, I had heard that you need to know what you're doing before you start messing with these bosses. And um, Troy and I had kind of been going back and forth on it. So he picked it up pretty close to launch. And I, I followed suit this weekend. And holy smokes, I think that I've maybe bit off more than I can chew I, I've I don't think I've ever started a game where I'm so lost and kind of frustrated right away and I picked up just enough of it that I can kind of feel like I know what I'm doing but at the same time I'm like I don't think I'm ever going to get off these first five screens so yeah I don't know the jury's still out for me with Elden Ring We'll see what happens. We'll see what happens. I may or may not talk to my uh, plastic dealer GameStop manager and see if he'll hook me up with a return or if it'll win my heart between now and that conversation. I don't know. We'll see. Listeners, if you have any tips, guidance, reassurance to share with me, by all means, hit me up and you know, <laughs> sell me on it or uh, tell me what the best way to dump the game is. But uh, I don't know. I don't know. I, I was so confident and so sure. Got a lot of Witcher and Assassin's Creed under my belt. And uh, this thing, I don't know. I don't know if I, I can feel make it through. like if it it's through, something man.
0: you're going to dedicate a lot of time to, it's got to catch you, right? It's like a I. I this is the, the gate that I use for TV shows and comic books, right? It's got to catch you in the first little bit. Yeah. If you're just trying to get through it just because. <laughs> it, might, it might be worth a trade-up to uh, that new uh, few – McFarlands or whatever coming to EB
1: <laughs> oh yeah totally I'll be like yeah just uh I'll clean up some of those figures that you can't sell or whatever I'll make customs or whatever I'll get more enjoyment out of that I think maybe or if I should stick with it folks let me know but uh yeah I don't know I already have a full-time job I don't know that I can handle one in the world of Elden ring but we'll see. <laughs>
0: Man, it, it, it even sounds heavy. Elden rings. <laughs>
1: uh, yeah. Yeah. Like the premise is kind of cool. Like there's there's a ring that was that kind of brought harmony to this land and it's been broken and there's different agents of this Elden ring thing. But I, I think honestly my biggest frustration is, is that they don't give you a good gateway in and don't tell you how to play the game. So mm. I find myself constantly on my phone looking up game sites for like just even dumb stuff like how do I add something to my quick use menu? It's like, why are you teaching me this? Like build it into the game or give me a fricking manual. (laughs) 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 Well,
0: let, let them know guys. Let, let Carlos know. Should he keep it or trade it for McFarlane custom (laughs) action figures?
1: Yeah. Yeah. I'll take all the Thomas Wayne Batman's. I I don't, I don't care at this point. (laughs) (laughs) They're there. (laughs) (laughs) They are. (laughs)
0: <laughs> all right guys well that wraps it up for this week like we've been saying throughout this show we want the listeners to be part of the experience of nerd and to share it with us but also to help us evolve this product here you know we're always open for suggestions and we got a good few last week and like we've we've said it quite a few times here it's we're always about evolving this too, this space—it's it, constantly changing around us. When we started this podcast, there was no such thing as Disney Plus. Netflix wasn't hitting as hard. There was, you know, the movies, the scale of things we were getting. DC was in a very different place, and so the podcast just can't stay the same as it has always been. And so here it is. Here, here, here is an experiment, and we're open to suggestions as always. And I've had a lot of fun with this, Carlos. I think that this is something that we're going to continue to run with and, and see how we can change things up. And this also allows us to shorten the episodes a little bit to make them a bit more consumable in a single sitting. So there it is, my man. And uh, we're going to put a pin in it for this week. And we will be back next week in some format or another. And if you'd like to provide some input into that, you can always email us at nerdm at gmail.com. I'm going to stop saying things about nerdroom.net I haven't updated it. So... It's, it's just there right now. It has become a still piece of the nerd room at this point. And the hunt, guys, it is very real. And we're going to get back at posting things on Instagram. Things have calmed down just a little bit. And then also YouTube. That is something we're going to get back to. I've got a video in the pipe from Ian. I've got three videos from myself. And so this Friday, you will see a return to form over on our YouTube channel. And we potentially have a live stream planned with some special guests in the Star Wars space as we build towards Obi-Wan Kenobi and Star Wars Celebration. What else, guys? Twitter. That's a place you can find us sometimes, roaming around there, providing insight and opinions. And if you like to get a hold of us there, our handles are at the end of the episode, or you can use the hashtag #WeTheNerd. So, Carlos, my dude, the goddamn Batman. It has been an absolute pleasure experiencing nerd with you, and I hope everyone at home has had fun sharing this love, this passion for us, for all things Star Wars, Marvel, DC, and beyond. But until next week for the Nerd Room, I'm Tim. And I'm Batman. And thank you guys so much for entering The Nerd Room. This has been a Nerd Room Podcast production. You can find our hosts, Tim, Troy, Sanjay, and Carlos, on Twitter at TheNerdRM, TroyTheBoy87, Sunjabi, and CDN, R. For more content from The Nerd Room, check out Nerdroom.net. And don't forget to subscribe to The Nerd Room on iTunes, Podbean, Spotify, wherever you plug in. Use the hashtag WeTheNerd to keep up with the latest from The Nerd Room on Instagram and Twitter.